Excuse me. 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 Hello, everybody, and welcome to Morgan Dorks. This is a bi-weekly Daria podcast where we take an in-depth look at our favorite animated teenage misanthrope episode by episode. I'm Rob Press. And I'm Nissa Lee. And today we are looking at the second half of the second Daria movie, Is It College Yet? Wherein expectations clash with reality and class warfare as Daria figures out her college plans. Quinn tries to navigate her new friend's problems with alcohol. Jody struggles with her father's expectations and her own desire to not be the only black woman in town. And Mr. O'Neill's still getting married? Um, there are lots of loose threads to tie off as this series we know <laughs> and love comes to an end. Um, as noted last week, the second movie served as the Daria series finale and aired on January 21st, 2002. It was written or co-written by Glenn Eichler and Peggy Nichol, who also co-wrote the first movie, Is It Fall Yet? Eichler has, of course, been together... Um, Excuse me. <laughs> Eichler has, of course, put together a number of the series' best episodes, while Nickel has been, you know, kind of all over the place. But that's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. A brief reminder, this episode of Morgan Works covers just the second half of Is It College Yet? So that's everything after about like the 33-minute, 39-second mark. Um, to be I, kind of exact. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's probably... That's probably way too specific, especially because you could be watching a totally different version um, for the first half of our coverage. See the previous episode. Uh, we'll mention it at, at a point or two through this episode, but the movie, when it originally aired, it was set up for like two hours, uh, pretty much uninterrupted. Like there was some special, there was a special stuff at the beginning and, and end of it, but um there have been a lot of, of substantial edits to this thing over the years, and the syndicated slash DVD version is not quite what you would have seen if you were watching this live. Um, we're working with the version we have. I am not entirely positive which one that is. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, you know, we're we're doing what we can. Uh, yeah. So if you know if we miss something that you think should be there, sorry, I'm not. I don't. You know, <laughs> um, we tried. Just, we tried. We really did. Uh, I think by now we, <laughs> by now hopefully we get the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> <laughs> if you've been with us this far, yeah, seriously, God bless you, <laughs> and and I'm sorry. Are uh, you ready? Yeah, seriously, yeah. this is our last beat by beat for for the foreseeable future. Buckle up, folks. Oh, yeah. This is going to be a long episode. Oh, yeah. So, oh, boy. Really, really earning that series finale. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm going to hit the interstitial and we'll get into our final beat by beat. Woohoo. So we open the second half of the movie in Daria's bedroom where she answers the phone to an apologetic Tom. He says the crack he made about her not having to interview at Raft was out of line, and she accepts his apology in her own way. He then suggests that maybe his parents could put in a good word for her at Bromwell, but she insists she'd rather get in off the wait list on her own merits, and that she anticipates she'll actually like Raft. Um, 
you know, right off the bat, this is a little bit more like the Tom we're familiar with, mm-hmm. uh, although we also still get some casual downplaying of his family name's role in his getting into Bromwell. Yeah, it's not a good look. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you know, good on Daria for turning him down. <laughs> yeah. The Daria that we're familiar with wouldn't want to get into Bromwell because of a letter Tom's family wrote, right? <laughs> totally. It, you feel like it would, it would just, it would bug her for four years. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. She'd feel like, you know, I would feel like I didn't actually deserve to be here and I would just go through college with an imposter syndrome even stronger than, you know, in reality, <laughs> in this reality. <laughs> but she also sounds like she's happy with, you know, the idea of going to Raft. So, yeah. 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 It's, it's you know, an, a nice little scene for us to to kick this off with, I think, uh, you know, a little bit less of the just straight dickhead that, that Tom was in the in the first half of this thing. Um, mm-hmm. He's yeah. got a big hole to climb out of, though, so yeah. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Yeah, let's see if that happens. Uh, we head over to Mr. Langdon's office for the first time, where Fill Me In by Craig David plays as Mr. Langdon's 8 o'clock appointment has just arrived, and it's Mac. Mac wants to talk about Jody and how unhappy she is with the idea of going to Crestmore. Mr. Langdon denies it. Mac suggests she'd be happier at Turner, and Mr. Langdon says she couldn't get into a place she didn't apply to, which is when Mac points out she did apply there, and she did get in, but she's afraid to tell her father. We see worry cross Mr. Langdon's face. Yeah, but that worry is nothing compared to the pacing the room worry at the beginning of the scene, <laughs> where he when he thought that Mac was meeting with him because Jody was pregnant. Oh, man. <laughs> that is a conversation I would not want to have with Mr. Langdon. No, no, not at all. <laughs> Certainly not in his high-rise office. Um. Cannot praise Mac enough for what he's doing here, uh, even though it is behind Jody's back. Um, but yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that uh, later. But look, obviously, he wants what's best for her emotionally and socially, especially since he understands her position better than anybody else possibly could. Um, but I don't think it's reading too far into things to say he also knows that Jody's such a total fucking rock star. She's just going to be fine wherever she goes. Like, Cressmore is not going to open any doors for her that she's not going to kick open herself. Amen to that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it really takes bravery and maturity to do what Mac's doing. Yes. Um, maturity. Definitely. Um, And because we haven't seen Mac do something like this in the past, at least that I remember, um, it really stands out as a significant moment for his character to me. Yeah. Um, I kind of wish that we got more of this Mac in the past, but, you know, it is what it is. At least we got him in the ice cream truck. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, coming down to the wire, giving giving Max some some really good moments. Yeah. I think he's you know he's he's had some solid boyfriend moments throughout the series, um, but this is obviously a step above and beyond beyond that. And look, I'm really glad that they took the time to do this. You know, it's extremely appreciated. Um, and yeah, it's great. And you know, you almost wonder: Are we going to see him in Jody? Uh, you know, mm. when that premieres eventually? Um, I don't know. We can only speculate. <laughs> uh, so, like I said, we didn't really mention it uh, during the first half of our coverage, uh, but there were several scenes that were trimmed or cut entirely since the original broadcast of this thing to make the movie easier to air and repeats. It's mostly inconsequen- inconsequential stuff, 
But this scene between Mac and Mr. Langdon actually took a pretty big hit. And I think it's kind of worth reading the dialogue for how it originally went. Who, so I'm just do gonna... you want to be Mac and I'll be I'll be Mr. Langdon? Sure, sure. Awesome. <laughs> okay. Uh, with all due respect, sir, I don't believe that's true. She's been putting a lot of pressure on herself for a long time. I think she really needs a different kind of environment, like Turner. How is she going to go to Turner? She didn't even apply. <laughs> do you like that? It's <laughs> very good. What do you mean, acting unhappy? <laughs> Quiet, distracted, crying. You're not going to be a grandfather. Look, Michael, we all think we know what we want when we're young. If Jody passes on Cressmore, she'll end up regretting it for the rest of her life. Besides, Cressmore is a lot closer to Vance than Turner is. Better for you if you want to see each other. We won't see each other if Jody has a breakdown and drops out of school. Then it's a good thing breakdowns aren't allowed in our family. Anyway, if she really <laughs> wanted to go to Turner, she'd have applied there. <laughs> That's a very good Mr. Langdon. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, we'll have to keep this in mind somewhat as we head toward the end of this particular plot line. In the uncut version of this scene, like, look, I only got the, I only have the transcript, but like, Mr. Langdon comes off as kind of cold and and a little bit aloof almost like he's clearly missing an aspect of Jody's emotional experience here. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I would say aloof, cold maybe. Um his businessman self is definitely on display here. Yeah. And I think that the breakdowns aren't allowed in our family line is is just a little too intense. Right? <laughs> little bit. Um, so crazy. But but I can see how that mentality would lead him to eventually make the right choice for his daughter. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about, you know, what we think about, you know, this, um, I'm cutting this, but I mean, so far it seems like a pretty good choice. <laughs> yes. It looks better for him. So. Oh, it definitely looks better for him. <laughs> uh, over at the pizza place, Daria and Jane are talking about Tom's offer. Daria points out that in addition to not wanting to get in on the merits of who she's dating, there's also the matter that having Tom's family write a letter would only make it even more crushing when she didn't get in. So that's where she's at right now. She confesses to only having bought the pizza this time around, so Jane wouldn't so Jane would feel too guilty to storm off when Daria asks her about her BFAC application. Uh, Jane says she's not gonna bother and that it's too late anyway. Daria points out that mid-year enrollment is a thing, and Jane again insists that she's just not the college type. We take a brief trip over to Kevin and Brittany's table where he's <laughs> nervously inquiring about whether she'll stay with him even if they end up going to different places after high school before we head right back over to Daria and Jane's table. Jane says she couldn't paint anything good with the BFAC application hanging over her head and since she gave up on applying, she's actually been doing some good stuff. Daria says that's rejecting them before they can reject her. Jane says it's the same thing that Daria is doing with Bromwell, but Daria points out that's not quite right because she was already rejected by Bromwell. Um, Jane points out she was never actually rejected by the two. Jane points out she was already rejected by the two lesser schools she applied to, but then reveals she was never asked to send her portfolio, meaning they couldn't have cared less about her artistic ability. What the fuck? I know, right? <laughs> Daria, befuddled by Jane giving a crap what the schools who don't care about her artistic ability have to say, offers Jane a deal. If she lets Tom's family write Bromwell a letter to get her admitted, Jane sends her portfolio and application to BFAC. Jane, clearly a little touched by Daria's confidence, agrees to the bargain. 
So before we get into the meat of this scene, um, yes. let's talk about Kevin and Brittany. <laughs> oh my God. I think the um, uh, Brittany's line of, I love bell peppers. You can almost hear them ringing. <laughs> it's just an amazing line. <laughs> it's, it's very, Br- Brittany would make a really good stoner. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, at, or at least she would be in co- good company around them. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and of course, the, the Kevin mystery, or maybe lack thereof, only deepens. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's less interesting to, like, the Kevin mystery is less interesting to me than the placement of their exchange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, this is an amazing scene between Jane and Daria, and we just cut it in half <laughs> to take this brief sojourn over to to Kevin and Brittany's table. Um, I don't mind it. It's not not awful or anything. It's just such a weird cut. Well, you know, Um, they have, you know, on one one end, you know, the high achievers talking about high achieving things. And then (laughs) Kevin. (laughs) High achievers and high achieving things. And also Kevin. Yes. (laughs) Oh, boy. So um, the schools that rejected Jane never mm. asked for an art portfolio. Um, did she not apply as an art major? I, I really don't understand. Like, isn't that supposed to be the focus of a prospective art major's application? Right. <laughs> I, I really don't understand this, and I and I can see how Jane would be bummed about the fact that they judged her on her academic merit alone. You know, because that's not her forte. But sure, I'm really surprised at her logic here and how she just kind of gives in about it. Yeah, it and it pains me to say it a little bit because I I really do love the writing in the scene as as I'll mention in a second. But like, it almost feels a little slapdash. Like like her reasoning and and the fact that she didn't have to send in portfolios. Like, I don't know it. it yeah, it was like um they had to they they had to find a reason for her to get rejected at you know um lesser schools and accepted at BFAC, you know? Right, right. Exactly, yeah, cuz they couldn't have her sending her portfolio to all three and then have BFAC accept her but then, you know, Lawndale not accept it. Like that yeah. wouldn't that wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. Unless, so I, you know, yes, but- we were able to get deeper into her storyline and she herself had an interview or, you know, she like right. heard from someone on the application panel or something like that. But that's not going to happen because there's right. a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> there's a lot of important stuff going on and also a Mr. O'Neill subplot. Yeah, uh, <laughs> whatever that's about, man. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that one. Holy hell. So, as I just mentioned, like uh, I, I really don't want to rag on the writing in this in this scene too much because this is low key one of my favorite conversations that Jane and Daria have in the entire series. It's not as funny or enormous as many of the other talks we've covered over the past three years, but this feels very real and mature. And I feel like some there are some episodes of Daria where this conversation ends with one of them storming off in frustration, and instead we get Daria who clearly is frustrated, let's get that straight, um, cutting through all of it and doing whatever she can to make sure her best friend is taken care of. Like 
Consider the potential implications of this conversation. If Jane gets into BFAC, who knows where she goes from there? And it's entirely because of this moment at this table at the pizza place. Yes. Yeah. Um, you make very good points. And it is a great conversation. Um, let's keep in mind that Daria is morally opposed to accepting help from the Sloans in this yes. instance. So, so it is really a huge gesture. Um, but I also don't think that their two situations are really that comparable. Like <laughs> Jane is reluctant to apply to an art school. Daria is reluctant to take advantage of bougie nepotism <laughs> 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 or bougie nepotism, I should say. <laughs> um, sure. You know, they're afraid of rejection, but they're standing in very different places of privilege, it seems. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the lines between their situations are tenuous at best. I yeah. think is is, uh, is really the way it goes. And and you know, I I do like that. I do appreciate that they're trying to draw those connections. Um, but I also appreciate that it's tenuous. Like I like that Jane draws that connection, and Daria immediately shoots it down. You know, I like that Daria, like, you know, we're pointing it out here, but also Daria pointed out in the conversation, like, no, it's really not the same. Yeah. Yeah. But um, she still rolls with it and totally. tries to find a solution for her best friend. Right. Daria Morgendorfer, best friend. Daria Morgendorfer, best friend. We've said it too few times. Yes. <laughs> I think this is the only time we've ever said it. Yes. Um, so completely off topic. But the way that these booth benches are drawn makes it look like Dari and Jane are about to just slide right off them. And I don't know <laughs> if it's just this movie or if it's like every episode where there's like a pizza place scene. Um, and I'm just <laughs> noticing it now. <laughs> I'll have to go back and check. Yeah. We'll have yeah. to we'll have to do another three years of podcasting. Yes. Um, maybe maybe it's <laughs> Morgan Dorks in cars. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um I don't know. Maybe that's how the pizza place keeps people from loitering too long. Maybe. It's just, you know, have the angle the seats just right and people get tired of it eventually. It's like malls in the recycled air. Yes. Oh, yes. man. Bringing back the episodes. <laughs> I also, I saw a, um, I think it was, it wasn't a real thing, but it was something that I believe like an artist or an architect designed uh, as like a concept kind of thing, but it was like a toilet designed to keep people from sitting on it too long. Like if you had a workplace and you didn't want people just heading to the bathroom for like 20 minutes <laughs> um, and the toilet was like angled downward slightly, like the toilet what? seat. So that if you sat on, if you were sitting on it too long, you would have to, it would put too much pressure on your legs to sit on it too long. Like it would make you uncomfortable just sitting on it. Wait, too long. so it was angled which way? It, it was angled like downward, like toward the, toward the front of the toilet. So oh. basically it was, so you were basically, you would have to like not quite squat, but you'd have to put like a little bit more pressure on your legs than you'd want to. Yeah. Uh, and it would just keep you from sitting on it for, you know, 20 minutes at a time or whatever. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Why not go to the core of the problem and just, you know, dismantle capitalism? <laughs> God damn, if only. <laughs> it started with the toilets and we said, nope, that's too much. We can't, we can't let that one slide. 
it is really just the straw and the camel's back, you know? Yeah. yeah. I can't <laughs> it's sit like here we and... have gotten to the point of ridiculousness. <laughs> oh, Christ. Back at the Morgendorfer residence, Darius stares at the phone for a bit before calling Tom and asking him to ask his parents to write a letter. He's happy to do so, and Darius, damn, after they hang up, says a whole lot. Meanwhile, over at the Lane residence, Jane's holding up her end of the bargain by packaging her BFAC portfolio. Trent rolls in, and Jane says he's just in time to drive her to the pack and mail. He's taken aback by the prospect of her actually applying to college after saying she wasn't going to bother. Jane defends her decision, but Trent's clearly not happy. Instead of driving her, he simply hands her the car keys. You Got Me by the Roots plays in the background as Jane, rightfully offended, takes the keys and heads out. Yeah. Uh, I do love the line in here of Trent. I'm not selling out. I'm attempting to acquire the skills and knowledge that will allow me to sell yes, out. Yes, absolutely. And good for Jane for standing up for herself here. Absolutely. Yeah. Because um, it's, it's you know, we talked about it a little bit in the last episode. It's kind of dick move after dick move by Trent. Mm. Um, this interests me because I spent some chunk of our previous episode saying this movie does Tom dirty by showing us like a horrible shitty side of him. But I don't feel the same way about how it's treating Trent. Like it's it's tough to it's tough for me to to draw the line between them. But like if I had to guess, I'd say it's because Tom's shitty behavior, while far beyond what we've seen from him before, is still kind of believable because of his class blinders. Yeah. While while Trent's behavior is just so far out of left field that we know or we have faith in the writers to show us that there has to actually be something behind it. Yes, absolutely. You're You've got it. That's what it is. <laughs> I, I mean, like we we don't see Trent act like this ever. <laughs> he is yeah. a good big brother. Um, yes, you know, and, and you know, if he does something bad, it is never intentional. <laughs> so, right. um, yeah. So here, it's it's definitely, you know, there's something behind it, as you say. Yeah, his his biggest his his biggest flaws have been lack of action, not yes. so much malicious action. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, over in Jody's room, we continue to hear "You Got Me" as Jody's clearly deep in thought. Her parents swing by to talk to her about Mac. According to Mister and Missus Langdon, Mac seems to have quite an imagination. After all, he seems to think Jody went and applied to Turner behind their backs. The anxiety on Jody's face says it all. Meanwhile, over in Stacy Land, formal invite by Ray J plays as she eyes the bottle for a cure, quote unquote, intended to break the curse she placed on Sandy. She puts a few drops into one of the glasses of soda she's about to serve Sandy and Tiffany, but then mixes up said glasses and Tiffany gets the potion, which is unfortunate. Not because Sandy remains uncured, but rather because the potion appears to be absolute dog shit. <laughs> Tiffany hacks and chokes on it while Stacy apologizes profusely to Sandy. <laughs> but not to Tiffany. <laughs> yeah, but not to Tiffany. Nobody even bothers checking on Tiffany. <laughs> Stacy apologizes profusely to Sandy, confessing the whole birthday curse thing. Oh, oh man. Um, <laughs> going back to Jody's scene. <laughs> uh, somehow. Um did you feel a little weird with Mrs. Langdon's choice of words in this scene that Jody applied to Turner behind their backs? Um, yeah. 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 It made me think that Jody's choice of college is more about them than it is about her. And it made me very sad and a little angry. And it also made me sad that Jody is finally like lying about doing nothing 
and <laughs> she gets interrupted. <laughs> like, let this that girl the, rest. It's the first break she's had in like 12 years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's weird. Um I mean, you get the you get the sense that Mr. and Mrs. Langdon Look, they they do care about Jody. Like yeah, we're, of course. you know, we're there's there's going to be some level of of there's some level of smack <laughs> that that's been talked about Mr. Langdon already. Um, but like they do care for Jody deeply, and they have a lot invested in her and her success. Um, and so I understand that that feels personal to them. Yeah, uh, that success, like you know, on top of just hey, it's my daughter, I want her to do well. It's also like you know, hey, it means a lot that. Our, our, we are the Langdons. We do everything right. We we even did this daughter raising thing right. She's going to go to the very <laughs> best school because we're the Langdons, and that's what happens to Langdons. Um, you know, I I can see how that would work out, and it's just it's just a shame. Just in yeah. general, um, yeah. It sucks that she couldn't talk to them. Um, and I mean, look, I feel we're at the stage of this Jody subplot where it's fair to ask. Uh, did Mac do the right thing? Uh, mm. I, I praised him earlier for his actions and even noted that it was done behind Jody's back. Uh, but was there another less sneaky way for him to handle it? Um, I think he did the best he could with the cards he had. Uh, and, and you know, I, I think ultimately it was the right thing. Uh, but I'm kind of curious as to what your thoughts are on it. You know, I honestly can't think of another way he could have done it. If he if he had asked Jody's permission to talk to her dad, um, she would have shut him down. Oh yeah, and you know maybe just su- even suggesting it would prompt her to stand up to her father um, herself. But the thing is that she does try to talk to him about it, and it doesn't work. So mm-hmm. Max got to do what Max got to do, and Mac do it. Yeah, Mac, do it. <laughs> uh, okay, language is breaking down now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's that kind of it's that kind of night. Um, poor Stacy. Yeah, like even when she's trying to do the right thing, she just Stacy's the hell out. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, in Stacy Land. <laughs> yeah, I. It's real. I I kind of I both love and don't love this subplot, but I I really do like. I, I enjoy think the hell it's out of it. Amazing. Yeah. Um, I will say I can't quite explain it, but there is something hilarious to me about Sandy writing saboteur on her, <laughs> her on her little pad. Yeah, because whoever says that, you know, and and spells it right. <laughs> and I can hear the word in Sandy's voice, even yes. though she doesn't actually say it. I think saboteur. It, yes. And I think it's extra hilarious because it's accompanied by the dulcet tones of Tiffany's hacking. <laughs> like, what the hell was in that potion? I bet it was red pepper. <laughs> Nobody checks on her whatsoever. She's just gagging. <laughs> and Sandy and Stacy are, are quote unquote chatting it out. Yeah. It's amazing. Oh, uh, I yeah, I have no idea what was in that. I would assume like cayenne or something like yeah. that. There's just some random you know, <laughs> ain't no, ain't no telling what's going to be in a birthday curse potion, you know? <laughs> oh, man. Uh. Birthday curse reversal potion. 
Oh, you got one of them birthday curse reversal potions. Oh boy, that's rough. <laughs> you didn't use the whole eyedropper, did you? You don't want to use the whole eyedrop. A <laughs> little bit at a time. Oh boy. Just two drops. <laughs> Back at the Morgendorfer residence, Helen and Jake are going through the mail when they spot an envelope from Bromwell. A small envelope. Oh no. But, yeah. Daria wanders in at just the right time to receive it, and it says what she expected. The freshman class is full, and she won't be going to Bromwell. Helen and Jake comfort her, but she doesn't seem to need comforting. Jake says it's crap for Bromwell to pass on someone so smart, but Middleton's a perfectly okay school. Daria and Helen point out what probably should have been obvious a long time ago, that Daria didn't apply to Middleton, and Jake's fears of his daughter going to military school begin to creep in. But then Helen notes that Daria's going to Raft instead, and Jake's stoked. After all, Raft's a hell of a school. She won't be sorry she went there. And there's always time for the army after college. <laughs> Oh, Daria, Jake. <laughs> Daria points out she likely won't be bringing her roommate home for Thanksgiving. <laughs> uh, I think we covered this to some extent in our last episode, and I've mentioned it a few times now over the years, but for as much as I have crapped on Jake, he really does care about and want what's best for his family. <laughs> I've never understood your <laughs> your Jake hatred. I Look, he's very one note, and it gets on my nerves. <laughs> um, but every now and then we get... You know, more than one note, and it's always really nice. Uh, I love that we get to see both extremes of his personality on display here. Like mm-hmm. we get the Jake that's still clearly suffering from childhood trauma and prone to flying off the handle, but we also get the Jake who couldn't be more proud of his daughter and everything she's accomplished. Like, I feel like it's a really great ending to this particular set of beats. Yeah, he's clueless and well intentioned, and he says some <laughs> really sweet things in this scene. And I had actually started typing them, you know, while I was <laughs> while I was listening to it. And then I was like, "Oh wait, <laughs> they're already in the show notes." <laughs> <laughs> That's how they get you. Yeah, Gotta get up pretty early in the morning to get past Rob's show notes. <laughs> Um, oh, of course, I have one last note here. Um, I wanted to applaud Daria for taking that Bromwell rejection so well. The teeny tiny letter. Yeah. I mean, I know that she has had time to process the possibility of rejection while waitlisted, um, but she is all calm class here. Yeah, it, it's, you know, it's got to be tough. Um, but also you wonder, like, if, she, if she's taken the rejection from Bromwell that well, did she really want to go to Bromwell? Yes. Well, <laughs> that's something I've wondered all along. <laughs> yeah. You know, you mentioned that last episode, like it, it just, it just doesn't seem like a place that Daria would vibe at, you know? And, and so it, her not being bummed about not going makes a whole lot of sense. Um, yep. So I think it's a, it's a nice little detail that got slipped in here, you know, intentional or unintentional. I think it's a, it's a really nice little little piece of, of character stuff. Yeah. Um, over at Quinn and Lindy's restaurant, we hear side by Travis Hellyes as Lindy yeah. is clearly pretty hungover as she slips up and seats a couple who just arrived ahead of a gigantic line of folks who have been waiting for more than half an hour. When the manager rolls by to see what's going on, the customers complain to him and he investigates only to spot the screwdriver Lindy made herself in a lipstick-stained coffee mug behind the hostess station. We hear Fade by Stained as she tells Lindy and Quinn, as he tells Lindy and Quinn that they need to talk about this, and Lindy tells Quinn she can't afford to lose this job, so maybe they can blame it on one of the busboys or something? Quinn's moral compass isn't letting that one by, though, and together they go to the manager's office to talk. 
In the manager's office, Lindy denies everything, but the lipstick smudge kind of gives away the game. She briefly tries to pin everything on Quinn, but the manager isn't buying it for a second, and he fires her. So before we talk about the actual meaningful stuff in this scene, I have to say that this restaurant must be fancy. I have never (laughs) seen a restaurant manager's office that spacious. (laughs) Maybe it says more about where I've worked, but... (laughs) (laughs) Typically very tiny, very crammed full of of papers and all sorts of random crap. Yes. Um, That's been my experience anyway. Uh, But yeah, it's... A hell of a restaurant. Quinn has to be pulling in just an insane amount in tips. <laughs> like, well, I guess if she's hostessing, probably not. But yeah, no, I don't think that it's very common for hostesses to be tipped. However, often um, part of the tips, um, you know, from the waitresses and waiters. Yeah, they do like tip you know, pooling and stuff, right? Um, and given to hostesses, yeah, yeah, or hosts. Gendered <laughs> language. Uh. So in an episode full of big life decisions, it's somehow Quinn who is dealing with the most mature and weighty storyline. Lindy's behavior isn't really all that unfamiliar to anyone who's known someone with substance abuse issues, and it's not an easy thing to deal with at any age, never mind when you're as young as Quinn is. Yeah. I think that Glenn Eichler has always handled Quinn's character with respect, Um, and now, now, now I've said that, I'm like, oh- I need to back that up, but <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. Um, but but generally, from my memory, I think he gives her you know serious challenges and the credit that she's due. Um, I think that this is a great storyline for Quinn because she uh, thought this job and making friends outside of school would be a walk in the park because she is a social creature, but. People are complicated, and so is Quinn, and she really handles all of this with grace. And yeah. and and her oh, Lindy was perfect. It was just perfect delivery yeah. at the end. There, is is very weighty. You know, yeah. it, it had like a uh, it had, you know, there was a lot of emotion in there. A, a very, lot of very, disappointment. Yeah, disappoint. That's the word I was looking for. It's just, it's yeah. It's very good. This whole plot is is very good. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of can't help but wonder if this subplot would go a little bit differently if it were written today. Um, I feel as though societally we've come to better understand alcoholism as the disease it is, and we're less quick to condemn alcoholism and more open to finding help for those impacted. Um, which isn't to say we've completely turned the corner. There are still many who wrongly believe it's just a matter of willpower. Uh, as Mitch Hedberg, who ultimately died from his substance abuse issues, once said, alcoholism is a disease, but it's the only disease you can get yelled at for having. Um, you know, this is tough um, because I don't think the writing is condemning alcoholism. Hmm, um, hmm. I think that the restaurant manager, yes, fires Lindy, uh, but Quinn doesn't brush off her problem. And um, this isn't the end of Lindy in the movie. So if if it were, I would say, okay, you know, this is just kind of, you know, a dismissal of the issue. Um, right. But, you know, I'm getting ahead of myself, I suppose. <laughs> we'll we'll talk fair. more about that later. Yeah, there will there will be discussion about that, and that's fair. And and I mean, I'll I'll admit it up front. I'll probably end up repeating it again because I think I put it in the show notes. Uh, but I I have like a particular sensitivity to the issue of alcoholism. Mm-hmm. So like, 
you know, maybe, you know, that's me just kind of firing from the hip. Um, but you know, it, it's, it is a difficult subject to, to discuss just in general. Um, and, you know, ultimately I think we end up with a really, just a really interesting look at a very nuanced and complicated issue, Yeah, <laughs> well, especially for a, for a teenager's cartoon. Yeah, it is. It is difficult to handle it in a subplot because something yes. like this would have been a very special episode if it were, you know, a main character with a problem, right? One hundred percent, absolutely. Um, so, you, you know, a a subplot with this kind of complexity. I don't know. I think it's handled well, and I think that there is a lot understood that's not said, and um. And and it's done well in that way because you don't have to say it all, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to suddenly turn into an after school special. Yes, exactly. Uh, at the pizza place, here we go. LFOs mm-hmm. every other time plays as Daria and Tom eat some za. Well, Tom's eating. Daria's staring at her food. She breaks the news that she didn't get into Bromwell. Tom is stunned, and Daria, speaking for Tom, remarks at how shocking it is. She's such a loser, she couldn't get into Bromwell even with the Sloanes pulling for her. Tom points out that's not at all what he said, and Daria says good, because she's not a loser. They go back and forth a little bit, but eventually Daria takes a second and says, Look, Tom, you're a smart guy and a good student. You probably deserve to get into Bromwell. And she wishes him success. Tom points out it sounds like she's breaking up with him, and then realizes she's breaking up with him. Oh, boy. Breaking up the girl by garbage plays as Daria drops the hammer. Daria points out they're from two different places, going two different places, and unlikely to reconcile those differences when they're only seeing each other once every few months. And besides that, they're both getting bored anyway. Tom denies it, but Daria points out he's just upset she said it first. Right at that moment, Woman's Worth by Alicia Keys plays as Jane drops by and sees that she has clearly picked the wrong table. (laughs) She wanders off. And with that, untold numbers of Daria fans exploded in joy and relief. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> as soon as he responds to her compliment with, that's a nice thing to say, even if that Daria voice of yours makes it sound like a kiss off, I thought, <laughs> oh, hell no, you didn't. <laughs> like, it, if she wasn't planning to break up with him at that point, you know, it should have happened just because of that. Yeah, that's the in in Dari's head. That's the <laughs> she's like, oh nope, all right. That was that was the code word. <laughs> We're out of here. Pull the pull the ripcord. Um, I think we we've kind of seen this coming from a mile away. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, as Daria points out, it was inevitable. Uh, I think it was clever of the writers, and it speaks to our unfathomable genius as critics uh, <laughs> to, <laughs> to make class a significant sticking point behind this breakup. You know, the, the wordplay of you're going one place and I'm going another is smart and succinct. And it's wonderful that someone Daria's age not only recognizes it, but makes a very difficult and hard to swallow decision because of it. You know, I'm glad that she explained that she didn't mean just physically to one place and another because, <laughs> you know, Tom is so, 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 so clueless. <laughs> it's those, it's those uh. class blinders. I love that we're getting in so many final digs on Tom. It's like shit. What haven't we said yet? Let's let's toss it in there. We have we have really been <laughs> pretty awful to him in the past, but he deserves it. 
he he has deserved it very much so in the movie thus far um yeah i look i have been the tom defender in the past i have come around on the idea of you know maybe tom sucks quite a bit um yeah i i think his character has some really good moments i think his character has some truly awful moments the highs are nowhere near as severe as the lows um but you know it, it's either way it has been a lot of fun <laughs> Yes, yes, um, it has. In my mind, you know, Tom is never going to, um, he he is never going to beat Trent. You know, <laughs> <laughs> even though Trent is really a shitty choice as well. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's you know what I f- I feel that is the I feel that thought process that thought is mirrored by I don't even know how many Daria fans like oh, Tom. Yeah. Tom had such a hill to climb <laughs> uh, to, to you know to get out of Trent's shadow, and he definitely never managed it. No, um, definitely not. But you know, it's, look, he's taken her character in some interesting places, and I appreciate that. Yes, uh, quite yeah. a bit. And you know, the conversations they have had as two people in a relationship have been strikingly straightforward and insightful at times. So (laughs) kudos to that. (laughs) Um, For as dirty as this movie has done, Tom, I think in some ways it's kind of doing the exact opposite for Daria. Uh, We've seen some rough and frustrated moments from her without a doubt, but we're also seeing her maturity and dignity and principles on full display. Like, the character we have now is not the character we had in the very beginning of this show's run and conversations like this one and the one she had with Jane earlier are pretty good examples of it. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, at the Morgendorfer residence, Daria is watching the TV, which isn't to say she's watching television. She's staring at a blank TV. Uh, Quinn, similarly gutted by the past few days, joins her. She asks Daria for some advice on how to handle the Lindy situation, but Daria points out she's not in a position to give interpersonal advice at the moment because she just broke up with Tom. Quinn's stunned, and Daria says this whole honesty approach is probably leading her to a life alone. Quinn says Daria shouldn't be worried about that. After all, she's been to college parties. Everybody's smart and nice. Hmm. Daria's going to have friends. Daria thanks Quinn, and Quinn decides she's going to be honest with Lindy about Lindy's drinking problem, even if it means they're done as friends. Jane drops by to see if Daria is okay. She immediately starts railing against Tom for dumping Daria, but Daria points out she's the one who ended the relationship, not him. Jane's surprised. Daria's heartbroken. And boy, do we have some threads to tie off before this series ends. Oh, yeah. And this conversation between Daria and Quinn is just amazing. Yes, it really is. Um, it's as though the writer said, we need to get in one great conversation between Daria and every other major character before this thing wraps yep. up. And they've kind of nailed it every single time. Like this time, though, instead of being impressed by just how far Daria's come, we get to be impressed by how far her and Quinn have both come. Like, try to imagine this conversation happening in season one. No, no. <laughs> right. It's been a lot of fun watching them. Yeah. Yeah. For one thing, this conversation seems to be a lot longer than their typical conversation. Um, <laughs> True. You know, perhaps that is something that the movie format allows. Um, which we really haven't talked about a lot when we're looking at this movie, but we did talk about it a lot for Is It Fall Yet? Um, True, yeah. It just seems like everything is is in place here, except, of course, um, Mr. O'Neill's plot. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, 
And I like that in this conversation, the two of them take time uh, to pause and think about what the other is saying. Um, you yeah. know, and again, something that a movie allows for, <laughs> but you can tell that, that like they're both really thinking about it. Yeah. It's a, look, it would be so easy to cram this movie full of like scene after scene, after scene, after scene, and all those like quick cuts that we're accustomed to, um, like the first movie was almost impossible to write show notes for because it went back and forth between so many different things so frequently. And and we'll get episodes like that too, where it's just like, Jesus Christ, like <laughs> we're going five different locations in the span of a minute and a half. Can we chill? Um, the movie or this movie uh, really does let a scene breathe. It mm-hmm. lets things take their time and and it's really nice. And yeah, it's, it's, you know, very clearly a result of, Hey, you know, we have like three times as much space to work with. So, um, but it's nice that they're, that they're using it to do more meaningful character work and yeah. not just, you know, pack more in. Um, I love Daria's line of, um, she says, for some reason, I continue to opt for honesty despite mounting evidence that it's inexorably transforming <laughs> me into an old woman alone in an apartment with 30-year-old newspapers and cats. <laughs> 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 what a good line. Um, and it's also really sweet how Quinn tells Daria that with her limited experience, she knows that Daria is going to be just fine at college. <laughs> Yeah, yeah yeah it's just it's so very sweet it's very sweet it's very sisterly you know it's very nice um i do think quinn's take on college is just a little bit rude uh, yeah <laughs> everybody's smart and nice i don't know about that uh i think a lot of the a lot of the dipshits you knew in high school aren't suddenly smart and nice four months later mm-hmm. um college can feel a whole lot like high school sometimes yeah but it is a wildly different environment and you know, to immediately contradict myself, you can, if you're lucky, find your people. Um, I know I did, and it kind of changed everything for me. Uh, and, and you know, it, it is a, it is a place to find yourself and find your folks, and it's really cool. Um, but but it's not like you know, all of a sudden you're just among an entirely different, <laughs> uh, an entirely different world. Yeah. Teenagers are still teenagers. People are kind of <laughs> the same everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're just little, you know, different sets of them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Over at Lindy's, we hear Good Souls by Star Sailor as she works on her computer. Quinn drops by and Lindy apologizes to her for the way things went down at the restaurant. Quinn understands that she she accepts the apology, then nervously works her way toward saying she thinks Lindy has a drinking problem. Lindy does not take kindly to that. Uh, She initially chalks it up to Quinn trying to hurt her after she hurt Quinn, but then when Quinn raises point after point about how Lindy clearly has an issue that she needs to get under control, Lindy eventually refuses to hear any more of it. She has work to do and Quinn needs to get out. A forlorn Quinn hits the bricks as Lindy walks over to the fridge and pulls out a beer. Um, like I said, I'm particularly sensitive to this topic, but this scene is just really hard to watch. Uh, the the denial, the leaps in logic, it's all textbook. Um and the hurt on Quinn's face as she sees it going all wrong is really tough to take in. Like, I feel terrible for both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Quinn makes a sensible argument here, and Lindy's really just not hearing it. Um, mm-hmm. 
what I like here is that I don't feel like the show is judging Lindy. Quinn is trying to help her and it's a super it's a super awkward situation. Um there's no real way real great way to go about it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean like you, you know you're you're like okay well maybe there's not a problem maybe i'm just you know imagining it is it my right to step in and say something you know clearly she's not going to think it is <laughs> right yeah <laughs> you know um, it, it it does capture like the difficulty of being on quinn's side of it you know of of having to raise having to raise that conversation and knowing that it's not you know knowing that you're walking into an absolute lion's den. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Lindy's reaction, that last action of heading toward the fridge for a drink is just, it's more tragic than anything. It's just that confirmation that there is a problem. Yeah, totally. Um, Cause you can get like, it's that amazing ability for, for people with substance abuse issues to, to communicate and convince the folks around them that no, nah, you know what, maybe I'm, maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe there really isn't a problem. Maybe they just maybe I caught them on a bad day or something mm-hmm. like that, you know. Um, and then yeah, like you said, it's it's that confirmation, like the moment <laughs> the moment Quinn leaves. Uh, it's it's just tough to it is tough to watch. Tragic is a really great word. Yeah, and and what I like about this is that. The audience gets to see that action, but Quinn doesn't. Yes, yeah, um, it's a good choice. I think that's mm-hmm. a that's a very that's a very smart choice. Uh, over in Tom's room, he's lying on the bed in that proper post breakup sadness miasma. Oh. <laughs> he calls Daria, who's kind of doing the same. Uh, when she answers, he can't bring himself to say anything, and he hangs up without a word. And Daria sighs. Aww. Yeah, been there, y'all. Uh, <laughs> I, that said, I've never pulled the call, don't say anything, and hang up thing before. I'm kind of convinced that only happens in television shows and movies. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, it's it just seems weird. Um, it does remind me of there's a great <laughs> – it's an early season Buffy um, where Xander – I think Xander asks Buffy out and gets rejected, and he says that his plan is to go home and lay on the bed and listen to country music, the music of pain. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what a good line. You know, it just occurred to me that the call and don't say anything and hang up thing is kind of a relic of the past. I mean- you have yeah before caller ID yeah, yeah you you have that person's phone number on your cell phone you know yeah um, you know if you want to go through the trouble of star 69ing you know <laughs> <laughs> that's a, another little relic of the past yeah right? the, uh, yeah uh, so all right <laughs> so second half Tom is maybe I guess putting in a little bit of work to dig out of the hole at first half Tom Doug. Uh, how, how do we think he's doing so far? Uh, I I don't think he's really done that much work yet, <laughs> to be yeah. honest. TBD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I think the you know there there were aspects of the the breakup conversation that I thought were actually pretty okay for Tom, uh, and you know in this instance, like he clearly is 
pretty upset that he's been dumped. Uh, and and I like seeing that out of him. I like that his response is not just indignant, like, oh, all right, screw her. Um, that's pretty nice. But yeah, for first half Tom dug a uh first half Tom dug a pretty deep hole. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have to say that Tom is probably mostly just shocked that it's happened and that he was the one that was dumped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least that's how I that that's what I think after watching this entire episode you know because it's it's so firmly established his class um you know his his place of privilege that like he really is invincible right, right. so of, you know he, there's there's no way he thinks that he would be the one that dumps daria you know with her <laughs> daria voice <laughs> her dump me <laughs> why i never <laughs> Uh, at Lawndale High, it's the last day of school. Uh, Jody angrily approaches Mac and demands to speak to him alone. They escape to an empty classroom where Mac's defending himself. Jody says that as a result of his meddling, she's going to Turner. Apparently, her parents said if she was so upset she was applying to Turner behind their backs, they need to respect her feelings. Jody's deeply thankful for Mac doing what he did, and as a couple, they appear stronger than ever. They kiss and get interrupted by Ms. Barch, who's angrily searching for Mr. O'Neill. <laughs> Of course. Um, could not be happier for Jody here. Uh, and what a face turn by Mr. and Mrs. Langdon. Uh, yeah. You know, worth wondering if the scene we had talked about earlier with Mac and Mr. Langdon was trimmed to make Mr. Langdon seem like less of a jerk and make this twist a little bit more believable character wise. Yeah, I think this is probable. The trim scene <laughs> left him looking more concerned than anything else. So, yeah, yeah. Um. So I was this is tangential, I suppose, but I was trying really hard in this scene to read the chalkboard. (laughs) And here's what I have. This is what it says. Summertime, a close reading. (laughs) Is the living really easy? Does the cotton really get high? Substance abuse among cash crops in... And then I couldn't read it. Then, hello... Is anyone out there? <laughs> it, it looks in the end there like he's drifting from Sublime to Pink Floyd, but you know. <laughs> uh, I will miss the chalkboard gags. Yeah, there's some really good ones in this episode. Uh, out in the parking lot, Brittany asks if Kevin wants to go get their caps and gowns together. Kevin suggests maybe he should hang back. Brittany asks why. Kevin reveals that he's hanging back because he got left back. Oh. Or in his words, his grades were so good, they want to see if he can do it again. (laughs) Nice try. (laughs) It's so good. Uh, He asks if he and Brittany are still boyfriend and girlfriend, and Brittany says sure, but she's got her fingers crossed. So that's where that ends up. And that is where that ends, right? Yeah, that's that's it. We don't. I believe we do not see anything else from them for this episode. Wow, um, this movie. I I also movie, said episode yeah. earlier. The series, actually. Series. <laughs> the entire thing. Yeah. Brittany is going to be on the prowl. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, Brit. Get, get on out of there. Yeah. <laughs> Could not have been a more perfect resolution for Kevin's arc. Um, yes. 
he has forever been the prototypical guy who never graduated high school, and now he's a guy who isn't graduating high school. Yeah, and I think that the Daria fandom would have accepted anything but Kevin not graduating high school. <laughs> like, castles would have been stormed. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, I love it, because uh, Kevin is that dude who would be 40 and still talking about his high school football exploits. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so we we all know that person. We can totally. spot them. So, what better way for for it to go down than to have Kevin be forty years old and still making new high school football exploits? Uh, over in Mister DiMartino's classroom, he's coaching Mister O'Neill on how to break up with Ms. Barch. It is not going well, and it does not get much better when Ms. Barch interrupts. Mister O'Neill withers under the pressure of having to call off the wedding, and Mister DiMartino speaks on his behalf. When Ms. Barch suggests that's the end of everything, not just the wedding, Mr. O'Neill very reluctantly agrees. Ms. Barch, rightfully pissed at how this has gone, takes a swing at Mr. O'Neill, but he happens to have dropped his head into his hands for his daily sob. And so, <laughs> and so Ms. Barch's fist connects with Mr. DiMartino's good eye. <laughs> Final bell rings and summer begins. You know, I would be pretty upset if I were Ms. Barch too. <laughs> like that, yes. that someone is basically breaking up for my <laughs> my significant other. Like come on. Yeah, yeah. That's uh that's really not how it should go down. No, uh, no. It is it is also kind of maybe the only way that it could go down for Mr. O'Neill. <laughs> that is true. Um, I really, I can't, I can't muster too much interest beyond that in this subplot, but it has led to some pretty entertaining stuff. Like for example, the brief glimpse we just got into Ms. Barch and Mr. O'Neill's sex life, where they apparently play farm wife and National Geographic photographer. Um, Which I'm not really sure how that goes together, but okay. I'm not sure either, but hey, good for (laughs) y'all. Again, the blackboard in this scene is noteworthy. Summer jobs to build character, and character is <laughs> underlined. <laughs> it's list, and the list is prison guard, well digger, kennel cleanup, asphalt mixer, animator. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very good. At the Morgadorfer residence, Quinn's on the phone trying to calm Stacy down. Doesn't appear to be working because you know Stacy. The doorbell rings and it's Lindy. Quinn tells Stacy she'll call her back. Lindy walks in looking much better than the last few times we saw her. Uh, She hands Quinn the mirror she promised and it does in fact look really nice. Uh, Lindy says she's thought about the conversation she and Quinn had and she knows she doesn't have an actual problem because when she feels she's drinking too much, she'll stop for a week just to prove to herself she can. So see, doesn't that make it better? Mm. Yeah. Quinn's not particularly convinced, but it is what it is. Uh, Lindy says goodbye and gets ready to head out. Quinn suggests maybe seeing a movie later, but Lindy doesn't seem open to it, and we get the impression that those two are pretty much done. Yep. Uh, So Lindy basically says she's seen alcoholism in action. The implication is that her mother had a problem. Uh, If you don't really scratch the surface at all, the idea that someone can stop drinking for a week makes it sound like they don't have an alcohol problem, except that's not how alcoholism works. Um, What Lindy's doing is setting a measure of control, which is something a lot of people with addiction issues do to prove to themselves that they don't have addiction issues. Good rule of thumb, if you're at the point where you have to create rules around when you drink, there's a problem. Uh, 
alcoholics can go decades without drinking. It doesn't mean they aren't alcoholics. Thank you for saying this. Um, the mention of Lindy's mother having a problem is just the nail in the coffin. Yeah. Because unfortunately, people who grow up with alcoholic guardians are more likely to become alcoholics themselves. Um, but again, I I don't feel that the show is passing judgment on Lindy. Quinn can't <laughs> control Lindy's actions and Lindy doesn't want help. So it just kind of ends with Quinn being a bit sad and disappointed. And, you know, it's an uncomfortable but realistic place to end the friendship. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Um, you know, not everything ties up neatly. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot in this, uh, there's a lot in this movie that does, but this is one of those things that doesn't. And I think, you know, if you are going to have a plot line that doesn't tie up neatly, this would be the one. Uh, and, and that is a, it is a brave way to go. I think with the, with the writing, um, yeah. you know, you give, you remove Quinn from basically everything that from basically every you know uh, uh, setting and and group of characters that we have seen her with through this entire series, right? You place her with an entirely new character in an entirely new situation, uh, and and in a different tone. Like we haven't seen Quinn have to make these character notes before. Um, it's all just a, a really really gutsy place to take her character for, for a, a series finale. And uh, you know, they knocked it out of the park all yeah. the way down to all the way down to Wendy hoops, who did a fantastic job of uh, voicing Quinn you know, Absolutely. For, for these more serious moments. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I have nothing more to add to that. <laughs> completely uh, agree. Yeah. But broken record here, but you got to praise Quinn for how well she's handled all this. Yeah. Like it's it's really remarkable stuff. Yeah, I mean she's just been completely outside her comfort zone and she's handled it like a champ. Totally. Up in Jane's room, she's working on a painting when Trent drops by. He doesn't quite apologize for his actions over the past few days, uh, but he does explain what's been up. Uh simply put, he doesn't want to lose Jane. He likes having her around and he's worried that she's just going to leave him behind. Jane guarantees him that's not going to happen and then offers to have him represent their family in the stands at the Londo High graduation ceremony. Trent points out he didn't even go to his own graduation, which he can't be sure he would have been a part of in the first place. <laughs> Seems like everything's right back where it belongs with these two. Um, and there we go. Trent redeemed, kind of. <laughs> um, he didn't actually apologize for being so shitty, but... We do now know exactly where he's coming from, and it's hard to be angry at the guy for just not wanting to let his sister go. You know, it's it's kind of a nice cap to this little subplot. And we've seen that uh, time and time again. Trent, in his own way, really does care about Jane. So to see it stated basically outright is is pretty wonderful. Yeah, the Lanes are my favorite family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I do actually buy that Trent thinks that the house gets kind of spooky at night when no one's there. Totally. <laughs> but the idea of him getting a puppy to solve that problem is just horrifying. <laughs> yeah, that's not. Trent would be much better off with a cat, I think. Yeah. Uh, a, an animal that does not need him for And will <laughs> for maybe much. eat him if he just kind of starts decaying and... <laughs> You gotta be careful. You you have to be careful about that because I'm almost positive we have had the oh my god is Trent actually dead <laughs> joke before. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> well, we well if there were a cat in the house, they would know. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Trent would wake up to some playful, not playful. Trent would wake up to some survivalist nibbling on his foot. Um, oh Christ! Yeah, and also, yeah, that house is huge. That's a gigantic house, and it is full of you know sometimes quite creepy art. Yes, <laughs> like, I can imagine that's not a place you want to be alone at night. Um. So I get it, Trent. I hear you, man. Yeah. Still probably should have apologized, but you know. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, outside the Morgendorfer residence, Tom waits by his car. Helen spots him from the living room and speculates as to what he's doing there, then realizes it's probably because things between him, between him and Daria are dunsies. Daria arrives home from school and meets Tom outside. He says he doesn't disagree with why Daria said they should break up, but he wants to know something. She did actually like him at some point, right? When Daria says, of course, and asks why he's being so weird, Tom says he respects Daria and her opinion a lot, and what she thinks of him matters to him quite a bit. Daria points out he's not without his flaws, but he's a smart and caring guy who she doesn't regret dating. Tom suggests maybe they can still be friends and call one another from their respective colleges. Daria says that sounds nice, and it looks like these two are going to be okay. Uh, speaking of getting in some some last digs, uh, <laughs> Daria saying... Come on, I still like you. You're a good guy. A little spoiled, a hair smug, a trifle egotistical. Oh, yeah. Getting the shots in while she can. <laughs> Seriously. Daria's looking at the runtime and she's like, oh, we got <laughs> to make this happen. In case, in case we didn't realize it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So on one hand, I like that Tom respects Daria in her opinion. I like that he considers her such a good judge of character that he puts a lot of weight on what she thinks of him. I think that's very nice. On the other hand, it feels a little fragile to me. Like, would Daria of all people have kept this thing going for as long as she did if she didn't, if she couldn't stand him? Like, I'm, I'm a little bit conflicted by his whole approach here. Yeah, I think he's kind of in vulnerable breakup mode, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing is that the reason Daria broke up with him kind of cuts to the core of who he is. I mean, mm. he's a rich, privileged white guy, and he has always been a rich, privileged white guy, and he can't really change that. Um, and it's always been a source of tension and conflict in the relationship. Uh, so I understand how he might wonder, did she ever like me? Or at what point did she stop liking me? Mm -hmm. um, and seriously, like, who wouldn't want Daria to like them? She's the coolest. <laughs> <laughs> Very fair point. Also, their breakup was kind of abrupt, and let's face it, as I said before, he probably didn't expect to be the one in the relationship to be dumped, so I can see how he needs some kind of closure. I suppose so. Um, I think that's fair. Uh, it just it felt so, I don't know, it, it just that, that line, the delivery of like, did you ever like me? Like, I don't, I don't know. It, something about it rubbed me the wrong way. What um, would you have preferred? I really don't know. I mean, at um, least this line makes it so that he gives Daria the respect she deserves. <laughs> true, true, which, which is unfortunately a bit of a rarity for this movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can't think of a, of a way that I would have gone about it better. Um it's just, like I said, it's just something about it irked me. I think the the 
inherent conflict of, uh, you know, saying like, oh, uh, I don't know. It's like I said, like if she didn't like him, you know, then then why would she have stuck with him for as long as she did? Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, that's a question that people ask themselves all the time. <laughs> I suppose so. And, you know, even Daria admitted that she was getting bored in the relationship. So I suppose even Daria is a bit, you know, prone to that kind of, you know, <laughs> hanging <laughs> on. I suppose so. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's, it's, you, whatever. <laughs> He's done. <laughs> they probably won't call each other. Let's face it. No, no, I don't think uh, I don't think the Bromwell phones can reach out to any no. <laughs> to any of those lesser colleges. Yes. Uh, I will note there's actually a really good Jake line in here where Helen points out that something might be about to go down, and Jake says, "Sounds like I should do something. I think I'll go clean the attic." <laughs> Sometimes I really relate to him. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, one hundred percent. It's very good. Daria heads inside after the talk with Tom, and Helen's right there to comfort her. Daria points out she doesn't need comforting. Yes, she did break up with Tom, and yes, it hurts. But it was her idea, and she's sure it was the right thing to do. So that sucks, but it's onward and upward. She goes upstairs to be alone for a bit. Jake's ready to chase after her, but Helen holds him back. After all, she says she's pretty sure Daria's going to be just fine. Yeah, more more great parenting from Helen. Yep. You know, um, a lot of these threads are wrapping up as we're approaching the final few minutes of this thing and and it's all being handled really well. And I'm glad that we got so much good Helen yeah. <laughs> through the course of this movie. It's like finally she realized that sometimes the best thing to say is nothing. <laughs> yes. Yes. This situation does not need intervention. Yes. It is perfectly okay for someone to just kind of be on their own for a little bit and stew and how much things suck. Yeah. I thought that the Jake line, damn it, Helen, where's our copy of Mr. Spock? was <laughs> amazing. <laughs> it, of course, you know, Jake is getting Dr. Benjamin Spock, the renowned pediatrician and author of the common sense book of baby and child care um, with Mr. Spock of Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Spock's book, by the way, was basically a staple in American households. Um, I know that there was one in our house. <laughs> there was not one in our house. This was like a brand new reference to me. Really? Um, yeah, wow. absolutely. Yeah. It uh, was, a, you know, yeah, you've got the Dr. Spock book. <laughs> I didn't even know the title of it. <laughs> it's think, just the Dr. Spock book. Yeah. I, I think now it's called like Dr. Spock's book of baby and child care, not like common sense book or Dr. Spock's baby and child care, something like that. Uh, mm. I mean, it was originally published in 1946. So it's had quite a few runs. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably probably undergone a few changes. Yes. Just a little bit. <laughs> uh, all right. We're actually, we're kind of zipping through this now. I'm, I'm looking at the time and everything. Anyway, uh, don't um, say anything. You'll jinx it. Yeah, true. Oh, this could go so wrong. Uh, Trick Daddy's I'm a Thug plays as Jane drags Daria to Jody's graduation party. Praise You by Mary Mary plays as we take in the scene. Uptruck hits on Andrea successfully. They head off to a private location, and that's a fantastic series wrap on those two. Wow. 
I love it. I love it, love it, love it. I'm forever going to appreciate the way that they close the series out. Um, Jane and Daria are approached by basically the entire B-plot gang, and I'm not going to go into specifics, but they play a quick game of telephone, and now Kevin thinks Tom is going to Mars. <laughs> Uh, elsewhere at the party, Quinn reveals to Stacy, Tiffany, and the three J's that she left the restaurant. Sandy approaches, and regrettably, it seems she's got her voice back. When she reveals to Stacy her list of ways in which Stacy can make up the whole curse thing to her, Stacy doesn't quite tell her to shove it up her ass, but that's kind <laughs> of the gist. Uh, if she's going to have to do all that to stay at the fashion club, Stacy figures maybe she should take a sabbatical like Quinn. Quinn reels her sabbatical's actually been pretty great, so she's looking to extend it. Tiffany decides that sounds good and takes her own sabbatical. Of course. Yeah. Uh, and just like that, it's only Sandy left. But Sandy decides the fashion club's beneath her now and takes her own sabbatical. The four realize this means the end of the fashion club, and they share a tearful embrace. Then they agree to hang out tomorrow and do things that sound rather fashion clubby. Yeah. Nobody tell them. <laughs> Uh, I think this is a perfect quote unquote end to the fashion club. Um, you almost wish there was any kind of actual comeuppance for Sandy, but honestly, seeing Quinn and Stacy outgrow the club was well worth it. And while the fashion club has been at the heart of a number of arcs that I've kind of considered a drag over the past few years, there's something oddly comforting about the idea that they're going to go right back to hanging out. Yeah. Well, what else do they know but each other's company, right? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that the entire fashion club basically, basically quitting because Sandy is a bitch really is comeuppance enough. <laughs> <laughs> I do appreciate that she immediately – I mean, look, look, Sandy is not a good person. Um, she she has many flaws, but, uh, but she is smart uh, or at least – you know, relatively clever. Uh, I think, you know, her reading the room immediately and saying like, well, you know what? I decided the fashion club is a little beneath me now. And I think I'm just going to go ahead and take my own sabbatical from it. Um, I, I appreciate she that. could have got that in before Tiffany. <laughs> probably, probably, especially because we know Tiffany's not getting to anything particularly quickly. No, <laughs> she's not. Uh, but yeah, I think I think it's a good ending for all of them. I think they, you know, there's you create the line in the sand between Quinn and the Fashion Club throughout the entirety of this thing, and then you get to the end, and Quinn says, "No, you know what? It's actually been pretty nice. I think I'm going to stay out over here." Um, but you also keep them together, and that's yeah. that's pretty nice too, because for as difficult as I have found their arcs, sometimes uh, you know, friendships are friendships, and and it's nice to see that that's going to continue. I've quite enjoyed their arcs. Yeah. <laughs> and uh and and this actually made me think, wait, are they seniors? <laughs> and they're like, oh no, they have another year of not being the fashion club, but kind of being the fashion club. Yeah, you gotta wonder what uh what ends up coming out of those ashes. Well <laughs> I suppose that's for fan fiction. Oh, I'm sure that's tackled it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, again, I'll just throw one last shout out to Andre and, uh, and Upchuck. Oh my god! <laughs> Good for you both. Good yeah, for you both. it's amazing. I, I was stunned. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
it's such fantastic delivery too because it's very much a tip it's very much typical upchuck delivery like that overwrought you know overly flowery just really going for it swinging for the fences and andre is just like yeah all right yeah okay sure <laughs> and upchuck's just like really like it worked <laughs> <laughs> yep oh fantastic she is gonna break him oh. uh, <laughs> Elsewhere at the party, I'm Real by Jennifer Lopez and Ja Rule plays as Jane and Daria chat with one another. Jane reveals that, like Tom, she too respects what Daria has to say, which is why she applied to BFAC and got in. Yeah, the two are thrilled at the prospect of heading off to college in the same town, perhaps this time getting separate boyfriends. Jane (laughs) thanks Daria for getting her to apply. Daria thanks Jane for getting her through high school. And a grateful audience thanks the writers for making sure these two get an ending they deserve. Aww. Yeah. Uh, basically, the entirety of the Daria Jane chatter in the second half of this episode is unassailable. Um, even watching it for the umpteenth time 20 years after it premiered, I can't help but be happy for these two. And a lot of it comes down to the fact that they've been written so damn well. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The uh, the separate boyfriends line just... <laughs> Just cracked me up. Yes, and and I love how it how they end the conversation. Um, Jane says, "Me at BFAC, you at Raft. Do you ever? Do you think it's true that things happen for a reason?" And they both say, "Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> it's just quintessential Daria and Jane. Quintessential Generation X. <laughs> like, yeah, just such a wonderful and defining bit." <laughs> Uh, at graduation, Jody gives her valedictorian speech and is cheered on by, among others, her family and Mac. Ms. Lee takes the podium and announces that it's award time. And while they'll give out all the exciting sports-related ones later, right now they've got to knock out some boring ones. <laughs> uh, that includes the Lawndale High School Diane Fossey Award for Dazzling Academic Achievement in the Face of Near-Total Misanthropy. Yes, that is one title. Awarded to one Daria Morgendorfer. She seems as shocked as anyone and gets ready to take the stage. But before we get treated to her speech, we, we've got to get to the end of this damn Mr. O'Neill and Ms. Barch subplot. Mr. O'Neill and Mr. DiMartino are off to the side of the stage watching the festivities when Ms. Barch approaches, looking ready to beat some ass. Mr. DiMartino hides, but it turns out that's just kind of how Ms. Barch approaches everything. <laughs> Truth is, she's turned on by Mr. O'Neill's display of spine. The two begin to really just go at it right there at the side of the graduation stage. Mr. DiMartino remains the most defeated person on the planet. The sound of his head hitting the, the bar of the stage, the pole or whatever, <laughs> is just... Yeah. yeah, he's not doing himself any favors no. there. Uh, I've crapped on this subplot a lot, but you know what? Good for Mr. O'Neill. Good for Ms. Barch. They deserve some happiness. Yeah. Sucks to suck, Mr. DiMartino. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, this subplot is just baffling, and I have no idea what it's here except for com- why it's here except for comic relief. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you know thematically it doesn't really tie in a whole hell of a lot. There's just there's a lot there to to question. Um, I think it's there purely because we needed something for Mister O'Neill, uh, yeah, and and we needed something to. But did know, we drain- really? Did we really? Honestly, no. But no. It's, uh, but you know, there is some pretty heavy stuff going on. Otherwise, you know, like Darian, the Darian Tom breakup is not rife with humor. You know, the Jane and Trent riff is not 
rife with humor. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure some people are even mourning for Kevin. <laughs> true, right? And and also, look, you know, Quinn and Lindy, like that's a very heavy subplot. Like, so there's a there's a lot of of you know weightier stuff here. So. I can understand the boy. We just gotta we gotta have some room to breathe in here. <laughs> let's let's throw in the uh, you know let's throw in the pee break subplots. <laughs> <laughs> the pee break subplots. <laughs> oh boy, it's kind of a pity that that's <laughs> kind of a pity that we've only just now uh, just now brought that into the lexicon. Well, you know, we were dealing with twenty minute episodes. There is. <laughs> You know, That's true. Yeah. You know, those subplots go by really fast. <laughs> uh, so Daria's award is named for Diane Fossey, which uh, she was an American conservationist and primatologist renowned for her work in studying and living among the gorillas of Rwanda. So of course, Daria's award is named after a brilliant lady living among a bunch of primitive knuckle draggers. <laughs> um, I appreciate that the show knows that with Jody as valedictorian, it really needed to make an, an insane stretch to get to the point where Daria speaks at graduation. And instead of really trying to like figure out a clever way to make it happen, it just leans in hard. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, it just says, what's the most ridiculous bullshit award we could think of uh, to make it so that Daria speaks at graduation? And it just works. It yeah, works. you know, I didn't think that the in the face of near total misanthropy was the, the actual it was a part of the actual title of the award. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was more just Ms. Lee's aside, but all right. <laughs> it, it it shows some foresight on the part of the, you know, award. The the People. the award endower. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which I guess would be like Diane Fossey's foundation. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it's bizarre. Random. Yeah. Um I love that Daria's big honking trophy has a big honking gorilla on top. <laughs> Generally speaking, though, trophies are just an ugly waste of space. And I think everyone would really just appreciate a check or cash or I don't know, a succulent. <laughs> <laughs> just leave the trophy in the trophy oh, store please <laughs> a succulent fantastic uh so with the barch o'neill weirdness out of the way we are treated to daria taking the stage and accepting her award she then proceeds to give a speech so perfectly daria that it would be an absolute crime if i did not just go ahead and play the clip just do it yep um thank you I'm not much for public speaking, or much for speaking, or, come to think of it, much for the public. And I'm not very good at lying. So let me just say that, in my experience, high school sucks. If I had to do it all over again, I'd have started advanced placement classes in preschool so I could go from 8th grade straight to college. However, given the unalterable fact that high school sucks... I'd like to add that if you're lucky enough to have a good friend and a family that cares, it doesn't have to suck quite as much. Otherwise, my advice is stand firm for what you believe in until and unless logic and experience prove you wrong. Remember, when the emperor looks naked, the emperor is naked. The truth and a lie are not sort of the same thing. And there's no aspect, no facet, no moment of life that can't be improved with pizza. Thank you. I love that during this speech, Quinn is 
is going incognito. <laughs> yes. She's like throwing on when Daria's talking about how high school sucks, Quinn is like throwing on sunglasses and looking around nervously. <laughs> it's very good. Um but what a nice little like sort of a microcosm for her relationship with her family that like at the beginning of Daria's speech, her family is very tense and very nervous about what's about to get said. And then by the end of it, they're just extremely proud of her. And yeah. uh, even Quinn, you know, looking around is, is, you know, suddenly proud to, proud to be Daria's sister. Uh, and, and that's it's a about really- dang time. Right. It's just a really nice little detail. Um, you know, this speech is of course, one of those moments that Daria, one of those moments that Daria's most known for, um, you know, is this is one of those things that I was thinking of when at the very beginning of, of the podcast, when coming up with the idea for the podcast, you know, I, I felt like this show still had a lot of relevant things to say. And, and this speech was part of that, you know, the, the idea of, um, you know, the truth and a lie are not kind of the same thing, you <laughs> uh, Still extremely relevant. Uh, a lot of this stuff. Yes. <laughs> still extremely relevant. The um, pizza line also still extremely relevant. <laughs> well, 100%. Maybe the most relevant thing I ever said. Um, it's truthful. It's insightful. It's funny. It hits every bit as hard as it did 20 years ago. It'd be hard to find another minute's worth of lines anywhere else in the five year run of this series that better define the character of Daria. Um, in part, that's because it's very easy to read this as the writers themselves particularly Eichler, speaking to their audience. Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's them brushing everything else aside and saying, look, this is our guiding philosophy. It has been from the jump. If we're going to leave you with anything, it's going to be this. Um, and pizza. Uh, and pizza. Just God hand it through it. the screen. <laughs> God, if only. <laughs> look under your chairs. There's a prize. You get pizza ago. and you get pizza. <laughs> 20 years ago, we thought through the screen pizza would be available by now. <laughs> We'd all be in flying cars eating through the screen pizza. <laughs> and it would be delicious. <laughs> uh, after graduation, our, to our final scene, we go to the pizza place, of course. Um, it's over by Corrupt and Natina Reed plays as we see Daria and Jane in their traditional spot, just as we've seen them so many times over the course of the past five seasons. They chat for a bit about Daria's speech. Jane suggests maybe Daria's getting soft in her old age, and then proposes a toast. To college. She can't wait. She asks Daria what she thinks they'll find when they get there. Daria's answer? The students are shockingly ignorant, the professor is self-centered and corrupt, and the entire system geared solely to the pursuit of funding. Jane thinks on that for a second, and suggests maybe Daria's not getting all that soft after all. They clink their soda cups together, and we fade out one last time. Over the credits, we're treated to Drive by Incubus, and finally, Supergrass's song, Time to Go. And that's Daria. Wow. What a ride. I know. Right? Um, you know, we've, we've, we talked in the previous episode of Morgan Dorks about how this movie originally wasn't going to exist. You know, Boxing Daria was going to be a fitting series finale. And instead, we get this. You know, what do we think of this as a send-off? <laughs> Oh boy. Well, you know, boxing Daria is our number one for a reason or many reasons. Very true. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I can see how it might not be the lighthearted send off that the people want. Um, yeah. So when, you know, Daria thanks Jane for helping her get through high school, I feel like 
we've come full circle to when they meet in a steamsters. Um, even yeah. when, even when Daria says like, I'm, I'm not much for giving, you know, public uh, speeches to the public or talking to the public, you know, that reminded me of steamsters as well. And I think that, right, right. you know, there's this neat little bow. <laughs> so it works as the finale. Um, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Um, look, I, I, you're you're completely right in saying that boxing Daria is our number one for a reason. And you know, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of our episode rankings. I don't feel like this is going to knock it out of the number one spot. No. <laughs> um, but you you know, I <laughs> I think it is. I think I mentioned during boxing Daria that that was a. That was a Generation X ass series ending, <laughs> um, and this is very much, very much not that. This is yeah. much more sentimental um, and much more heartfelt, you know. And, and a little more millennial. <laughs> a little more millennial. It's a little bit more sensitive, <laughs> um, but it's well done. You know, it, it'd be so easy to get. It would be so easy to get too sentimental, right? Or so easy to really to really botch this. And they didn't. You know, they they knocked it out of the park. I feel like a lot of the character notes are fantastic. I feel like um like you mentioned there's so, there's some stuff in here that goes full circle from all the way back to you know, the very first episodes we were talking about <laughs> 3 years ago. Um I don't know. I I think it's it's really well done. Yeah. Absolutely. And of course, Daria's um, observation or prediction of what college would be like sounds pretty familiar. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, yeah. <laughs> uh, slightly less rosy than Quinn's take on it uh, and, and potentially way more accurate. <laughs> <laughs> potentially? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Straight up more accurate. Yeah. Um, so it's worth noting that over the credits, instead of the usual random batch of alter egos, we actually get a bunch of non-canon glimpses into the future for our characters. Um, I just swiped this directly from the Daria wiki because I was not about to rewrite all of those, but they are as follows with a few that didn't make the DVD or syndicated versions. Uh, so we have Mystic Spiral without Trent as a church choir. We have Andrea as a swimsuit model. Uh, Quinn as a business executive, Tom as an aging shut-in in a nursing home. That one is, marks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're fine with that. Uh, Jody as the owner of Landon Towers, uh, Langdon Towers Casino and Resort. Uh, Sandy as a, as a madame uh, running Griffin Escorts. Awesome. Yeah, uh, and damn appropriate. Jake and Helen retired to a mountain cabin, both hooked up to a Valium drip. <laughs> It literally is just a big bag that says Valley. <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, Mac and Kevin as the owners and mascots for the Bro and QB Ice Cream Company. Oh, he's back in the truck, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lindy and Allison from the first movie uh, as a couple raising adopted children at a farm, which is fantastic. I'm going to go ahead and say that that one is canon. <laughs> um, Tiffany running a psychic call line. Also I should be canon. Absolutely should be canon because, of course, someone who talks that slowly is going to charge people by the minute. <laughs> uh, Mr. DiMartino as a very happy mailman. Sure. Uh, I mean, I'd like a, to think that, that you know, eventually he would be happy. 
I yeah, you know what? We I rag on Mr. DiMartino. I ragged on him right at the end. I believe I did say sucks to suck. Uh, but, <laughs> But I do what what's best for him. the guy has had a very traumatic life, yes. and I would like for him to to ultimately be happy. Uh, I think the implication is that he goes a little crazy as a mailman, but uh, hopefully he just he just has a good time and gets some fresh air. Um, Brittany as an actress in slasher films, uh, Ms. Barch running a shotgun wedding chapel, <laughs> uh, the three J's as reporters for JRL, which is a spin on MTV's now defunct TRL Total Request Live. Trent as a bald, pudgy U.S. senator in the year 2041 involved in a Family Opportunity Act. All right. Uh, Mr. O'Neill playing Peter Pan in a theater. That's canon. That's perfect. <laughs> Stacy as a NASCAR racer. I'm going to call that one canon too. Uh, Ms. Lee as a psychotic cat lady holed up in her house. Upchuck as a rich fashion designer. And finally, Daria and Jane as the hosts for a breakfast show, Good Mornings with Daria and Jane. Which is weird. <laughs> yeah, that one, that one definitely not again. <laughs> like, why? Of course, it, it, <laughs> that one. Uh, <laughs> uh and that's wow. that's it. That's Daria. That's Daria. Wow. All right. Right. Crazy. Yeah. That's our last beat by beat. Wow. At least, I mean, until Jody premieres, and then we figure out what the hell we do with that. But yeah. that's our last beat by beat. <laughs> perfect i wish i had that loaded into the soundboard uh all right with that being said do we want to get to what you what you prayed for three years ago <laughs> the ending the nissily <laughs> the ending to our episode rankings yes it's the thing i've always looked forward to it's <laughs> <laughs> finally saying goodbye to these things all right i'm gonna hit that interstitial and let's get to our last episode rankings you know for a oh, oh no. no oh no it's trying to stall us <laughs> it doesn't want it to be over no um, I was going to say, you know, for a former teacher, you know, I've just never really been that good at grading. <laughs> <laughs> I've always hated the grading part. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, I mean, the good news is you're you're done after yes. this. No more grading. <laughs> no more grading. Uh, all right. Um, I mean, I feel like the thing we do is we try to draw connections to to previous uh to previous episodes as and, we always do yeah and immediately i guess the question we have to answer is is this better or worse than is it fall yet um <laughs> i think that it's better than is it fall yet um i did i just say something like terrible i don't know mm, you know i so, <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> no, no, no. So, well, there's actually we'll have some discussion about this when we when we read some some fan stuff toward the end of this uh, toward the end of this. But um, I went into this thinking that the second movie was worse than the first one, and it has always been my understanding, and it could be a mistaken understanding, which again we'll get into, uh, that the the fan base has generally regarded the first movie as better than the second one. I got to hmm. say, though, 
and maybe it's just that you know I'm I'm 35. I'm I'm older and more sentimental than I was when when this aired, uh, and and than I have been over the years. But I feel like maybe this is better than the first movie. I think it's better written. Yeah, yeah. I think that we were so aware of um, of the movie format. In the uh, in the first movie, and the I, I think they handled it well, but we were so aware of it. <laughs> That's a really good way to put it. Yeah. And and if we're aware of it, then there must have been something up, you know. <laughs> I let's call it an adjustment phase. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's a really great way to put it because this thing just moved um you know the the conversations were were longer like we like we were saying earlier like you pointed out there's space you know there's there's room to breathe for a lot of these conversations and and um you know we don't have quite as much of that like quick cut style of going from like scene to scene to scene to scene uh it's just you know it, it's as though the writer said like look you know we get one last chance to really nail these characters down and, and knock this out of the park. And I feel like they took it seriously. And, uh, and the craftsmanship shows, you know, it's, it's some really solid stuff and it's not as though, is it fall yet is a bad movie. No, like, no, it, it's fine. It's number 17 on our list. Like, yeah, you know, that's, that's good territory. <laughs> um, but I, I do think this edges it out. Uh, I, hmm. all right. So, if we're saying it's better than Is It Fall Yet, then it's definitely at least number 17 on our list. Right. Where do we draw the line and say this ep- this movie is no better than this episode? Uh, it's so hard because, you know, really as is. I said, like, it's a different format. So we always have to, you know, have that caveat when we're... <laughs> when we're talking about movies versus episodes like sure absolutely this is this is a super professional and well-reasoned you know daria episode rankings list but it's <laughs> perhaps not the most scientific <laughs> it is extremely scientific i have beakers <laughs> you have a lab coat i have a lab coat where's my lab coat uh, it's in the mail oh, okay all right <laughs> yeah, it's all right it's way <laughs> Uh, you know, postal service has been it's been uh, all sorts of trouble the past eighteen months. Yes, um, well, there's, there's they're a doing the best thought, they can. You know, <laughs> they're doing what they can. Um, so, well, I mean, I I put it out there and said I think that the movie is better than Is It Fall Yet. So now you reveal your cards. Sure. All right. Um, man, mm-hmm. uh, I'm looking mm-hmm. at some episodes where I'm like, did we really say Fizz Ed was better than the Misery Chick? Holy shit. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> it was. It was ridiculous. It was very fun. Um, I, I, okay. I don't think there's any world in which I agree to the movie being better than Fire, which is number eight. Okay. What about the story of D? Which really hit us hard. <laughs> yes. Oh boy. Yeah, I don't know. 
I think that, you know, we get, we get down to like, you know, that again, like you said, that was a very personal episode for us. Yes. <laughs> um, so when you get to that, I don't know, but I think I could be convinced that it's better than I Loathe the Parade. Oh yeah, I think so. Even though like I Loathe the Parade holds a very special place in our hearts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that, uh, I don't know, we did have an issue with um, the story of D, um, like Jane's leap in judgment about the whole like um, counterfeiting thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there was that like shaky foundation. Sure. There there were aspects of that that could have been done better. Um, so what is your argument for fire? I think fire is just an extraordinary episode. Um, <laughs> it's it's different. It's well done. You get some really fun. You get some really good character work from Daria and Jane uh, in particular, because you got to remember that's right about when, like, it's that one-two punch of fire and die, die, my darling, right at the end of season four. Um, that's maybe like. You know, if you had to pick any two, uh, any two consecutive episodes in Daria, I would say those two, like, are probably the best one-two punch. Yeah. Um, Good point. Because that's that's just an extraordinary pair of episodes. Because you know, fire is when uh, Daria realizes, like, oh shit, there's this is actually a problem. <laughs> like, yeah. This is this is going to be a big deal. Um, and we, you know, we took a lot of it's where a lot of the conflict that we got in Die Die My Darling uh, really started to, to percolate. And, you know, obviously that got us into, is it fall yet? You know, where we had to resolve all of the conflict and stuff that we got from fire and Die Die My Darling. And, um, and of course it's set up season five, you know, it's set up there being a real connection between Daria and Tom, where it wasn't just like chance encounters here and there. It was Tom like going out of his way to hang out with Daria. Like, a lot of that really hit the ground in in fire. Um, so, do you? There's also a really entertaining subplot with Quinn and that creep at the hotel who. Was, oh yeah. Who was stealing shit from the hotel and saying oh, that his yeah. uncle owned the place? That was a weird one. <laughs> it was bizarre. You also had like yes, you had really good Jake and Helen because they finally got to just like relax. Yeah, that's true. So, would you be comfortable with putting this movie between Fire and Story of D? I think so. Yeah. All right. I think All so. Right. With that I, huge caveat that it's a movie, not an episode. Yeah, yeah. And I th- I mean I think that works for and against it. You know, yes. I, I think there are aspects of, of you know, the aspects of this ranking are helped by the fact that it was a movie. Aspects of the ranking are hurt by the fact that yeah. it was a movie. I mean, as far as the pros and cons of this movie are concerned, well the cons we've, you know, talked about the very bizarre and you know, just uh, not related subplot with Mr. O'Neill. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. You know, um, I think that is, you know, the strongest, you know, downside. But, um, but yeah, I think that it's just, it is, it is a good way to wrap up the movie or wrap up the, the series, um, give Daria and Quinn the respect they deserve 
completely just throw Tom out of the picture because thank God. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, you know, I just think that it, it, it ends so many storylines on an, a good and appropriate note. You know, it really does. Um, and, you know, which like- sounds like really not um, adequate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the the, I, the way that I'm describing this, I probably should have written it down ahead of time, but we always improvise <laughs> on this section, right? Yeah, there's um, there's a reason the episode rankings are a little less articulate than, yes. the, than the B by B. Yeah, um, but but you know, I know that it doesn't sound like you know an adequate um, <laughs> description of, of the series and the series finale, but. Um, but yeah, I think it it did a really good job. Yeah. And you know, like, look, you know, number nine on this list in particular, that's not an easy get. Yeah. You know, that's, um, I mean, look, you have Boxing Daria, Die, Die, My Darling, The Road Warrior, Pierce Me, Quinn the Brain, Through Lens Darkly, Partner's Complaint, Fire, Is It College Yet, and The Story of D. That's, that's our final top 10. That is just banger after banger. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, it's a really exceptional 10 episodes. Um, you know, it's, it's really something else. Uh, if you haven't actually checked out the episode rankings at all, we do have them like, you know, available in the show notes. You can click on that and be taken to the, the Google document that we have been editing for the last three years. <laughs> um, so weird. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird. It's actually, we have it, uh, labeled by color like each season has its own color and everything it's it's a neat little document it's a nice little look back in time um it is so crazy that we it is crazy that we started working on this thing three years ago yeah you know and i have to say uh, that it it is in many ways kept me sane through this time (laughs) 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 because it's been like i I mean we have both gone through some huge personal milestones oh my god yes i mean you know i got through postpartum (laughs) and you know moved uh to a different state and got and changed careers and um you know we've both been through the pandemic you got Heart surgery, uh, open heart surgery. Yeah, um, I, I also moved. Yes. <laughs> like was, bought a house. Uh, bought a house. Yeah, there's been a lot of like when we started this thing. You had a six month old. Yes, <laughs> and yes, we were sitting around my shitty little dining room table, um, recording a thing with just awful audio quality because we only had one microphone. <laughs> yes, and uh, and the cat just banging his head into oh, that glass yes. table. <laughs> Cat just fucking railing his head on the table and, and destroying my stuff. Sound and destroying your stuff. Yeah, we found. I found little fuzzy. I found little fuzzy uh, ball thingies off from That's your pom-poms. backpack. Yeah, for like a year and a half after. <laughs> God, they, they, a- they were on my bag. It was not a yeah. bag that I bought, but I do love it. So. <laughs> Sorry, our cat's a piece of shit. <laughs> he's uh, the best cat ever. He is. He's so amazing. I love him dearly. He's he is also just a total piece of shit. Uh, anyway, it's been great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So, I mean, look. Okay. We'll get to we're, we'll get to fan stuff in a moment. But I had this little this little section ironed out in here where I wanted to say, you know, we started this thing three years ago. 
uh, me being the person coming back to the show, you know, after a whole bunch of times having watched through it, you not really being terribly familiar with it, having seen a few episodes here and there. What did you think? <laughs> oh man, what a big question! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, well, I can, I really enjoyed being able to take such an in-depth look at Daria. Um, to return to it, even though like I, I hardly watched it when I was younger. It just, it, you know, when I was younger, she held this like iconic status in my mind without having like, you know, much to go on. <laughs> she made an impression, you know. Yeah. Um, the the show made an impression, and um, and. It is satisfying for me to have been able to look at this um, and know that you, even you know twenty some years later, it does not disappoint, <laughs> <laughs> and and that I'm getting way more out of it now than I I would have <laughs> then. <laughs> you know, um, it, I, it it definitely. Um, you know, supports your hypothesis that this is a show for the ages. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm I'm glad you've liked it. I think uh, you know the uh, it's it certainly made the prospect of three years of podcasting easier. Uh, the fact that you've enjoyed the show. Yeah, um, yeah. If I were just like a curmudgeon this entire time, I don't think people would have stuck with us for so long. <laughs> um, but I, I do have to say, you know, I'm still Team Trent <laughs> after all this time. Even uh, though you, you know you he's such an asshole. Uh, yeah, he's still Team Trent. <laughs> I guess it's uh, just you know maybe it's. Just, you know, when I grew up, <laughs> but there's something about that Trent character, you know, that- It's that particular kind of guy. Yeah. It's that archetype that really yeah. just does it for us 90s girls, you know? <laughs> <laughs> just perfect characterization. Oh, man. Um, all right. I like how that's what we're coming out of this with. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Whatever. It's, it's, we're two hours in. We still have a little bit more to go. <laughs> Let's do it's it. Been, yeah. <laughs> All righty. So I'm going to hit the interstitial. We'll get this uh, to our, our last fan mail for a good long while, probably. Is it going to repeat? Yes, oh, yes, it uh -huh. is. Just would not be. <laughs> there we go. Just would not be a series finale of Morgan Dorks. <laughs> without some fuckery. Uh, without some fuckery. Um, so we have two emails here. I think I would I would love for you to read the first one and I'll read the second one. Okay. This is from Lulu Van Hoagland on Twitter regarding Tom. Hey, Lulu. Still hey, Lulu. loving your pins and stickers. <laughs> <laughs> They're so cool. Yeah, they really are. So Lulu says... Honestly, I feel like the financial stuff with Tom was always going to be his ending. Heck yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tom is written to come off inhumanely wealthy or inhumanly wealthy, also inhumanely, <laughs> which is radically different from someone who is actually most likely maybe upper middle class. 
It is a different world. I was never 100% on how wealthy her classmates were supposed to be, but I think the implication is that while her parents aren't hurting for money, they just aren't on everyone else's level, and everyone thinks of them as less than even if they're fine. It's a matter of semantics and perception. To someone of Tom's wealth level, um, he would just have a different life than even someone who isn't hurting at all, at all financially. Both are privileged, but it's not the same. Upon rewatch, I, I was kind of annoyed that they were that charitable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I get that. Uh, she also says, but it's probably also that I've known guys like him. The chill is both a representation of privilege, but also a facade. He can afford to not care, but the chill also turns into kind of being terrible. <laughs> <laughs> what are you bitching about now? <laughs> Comes to mind. It's the type of dude that would say something inflammatory and then call you sensitive for being angry. Uh, Daria has her issues. The characters are people after all, but Tom kind of got off easy in a lot of ways. If Daria was made now, he would be so much worse. Yeah, I've got to agree with you there. <laughs> yeah, I think that's accurate. I, th I think a character of Tom, I would be fascinated to see a character of Tom written today. Oh, yeah, well. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> and just like how much harder Daria and Jane and Jody would come down on him. Right? That's yeah. Oh my, oh, my God. That's what I want. I want Jody and Tom. Yes. <laughs> I need that interaction. <laughs> it would be the resolution, you know, that we're, that we, the closure that we really need. Yeah. Fuck when Tom's she, closure. The, the closure we need, which is the closure of her open hand to his, to the side of his head. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. As, as Jody slaps the taste out of his mouth. Um, I, I thought that was fantastic. I really wanted you to read that email because I I felt like it was just so simpatico with, with the way you were thinking yeah, about Tom. I, I definitely um, botched the reading. Sorry, Lulu. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it is late. <laughs> <laughs> We've been awake for three years. Yes, uh, yes. Thank you so much, Lulu, for, for that and for every other time you've written in and for yes. all the stickers and the pins and just being awesome yeah. just in general. Um, could not Everyone go more. see Lulu Van Hoagland's Etsy page. It's amazing. Yeah. Pick up some stuff. Yes. Their stuff is really awesome. Uh, and finally, we had an email from Juan regarding Is It College Yet? Uh Quote, I rewatched the movie last week. Uh, if I remember correctly, Rob mentioned it was not as well regarded as Is It Fall Yet? Uh, I disagree since it gives more closure, but some stuff like the Mr. O'Neill plot could have been taken out. Uh, I did think, I, I'm i breaking in here now. Uh, I do think, <laughs> I believe it's not as well regarded as Is It Fall Yet? I think there's a difference between how it's regarded and the actual quality of it. <laughs> yeah, and that's the um, point we were trying to make before. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, and again, I could be totally wrong about that. Like, I could go to Metacritic and and it's like, oh no, is it college yet? Is way higher rated or something? But, Do you think it's because the uh, the target audience was you know high school students at that time, or 
Uh, speculation. Maybe we shouldn't get into it. <laughs> it'd be, yeah, it'd be, it'd be entirely speculation. I really, I really don't know. I feel like maybe the the shine was off the Daria apple just a little bit uh, yeah. by the time the okay. by the time the series finale came around. But also, like MTV dedicated two solid hours to it and had like a special and and a bunch of stuff around it, and um, so you know there was there was some momentum there, but. I don't know. I, I'm immediately after we wrap this up. I'm going to go check out like the Metacritic and see and, see and do the research we should have done before. Yeah, totally. Uh, anyway, to continue with Juan's email, um, Jody's story arc was great, and I can see where people saw that as a vector for a new series. Let's hope we get it soon. Uh, as Kevin Smith found out in writing, producing Masters of the Universe Revelation, which I loved, it can take years between writing scripts and finishing shows. That's yeah, absolutely. That's especially true in animation. Um, I also like the Trent Jane storyline. It may seem silly, but Trent was always there for Jane and she for him. It appears Daria and Jane always go to Mystic Spiral gigs. It's interesting to see the usually reserved, if low energy Trent, feeling a bit insecure of where his place is without Jane. That's a really good point. That I don't know if we brought that aspect of it up. Who is Trent without Jane being around to, to play off of and to play off of him? Um it's, it's an interesting thought, yeah. Um, it was good to see Quinn have some agency away from the fashion club. Boxing Daria showed she became eager to please her parents and the world by being as un-Daria as she can. That's what I got in the car scene after they left the therapist. Uh, this is great growth for her. I absolutely, 100%, uh, as, we, as we've as we noted throughout this uh, throughout this episode, I think, you know, it's, it's a really great movie for Quinn. Yeah, um, yeah. We've always been a fan of Quinn. Yes. And, and if anything, that is like the huge surprise that came out of this series for me. <laughs> like, and I, for me, I really <laughs> didn't remember Quinn being like such a a complex character. <laughs> Neither did I. I look. I watched this show a number of times. I never, never came anywhere close to thinking of highly of Quinn as I do now. Um, you absolutely turned me around on her. And then the moment you start looking for it, there's a ton of it there. And it's just, it's really something else. Um, she is a fantastic character. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm, if nothing else, I am stoked that, you know, we, we did this podcast together so that I could get a better appreciation for that character because it really is something else. Yeah. Um, Daria's speech at the end was worth the price of admission. Uh, what I forgot about, what I forgot about it was Ms. Lee's really negative intro for the Diane Fossey award. Uh, please play the whole speech. Got you covered. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, he points out the YouTube video only has the second part of the speech. That's totally true. So the plugin that I use to record audio clips actually broke between our last, or between boxing Daria and uh, the first half of our coverage of the movie. So I hadn't, I hadn't been able to record clips. I still wasn't able to record clips. So what I ended up doing was I had to like download the movie, get Adobe premiere, oh, <laughs> like, <no. laughs> actually cut the audio. Out. So like the audio that you heard in this episode is just straight cut from the video file. Uh, so it's, it's about as pure as it gets, but yeah, just bonkers. The timing of that. Uh, anyway, uh, Wong goes on to say, it's a beautiful way to wrap up the show. Absolutely. 100%. In my head, canon, uh, Daria and Jane get an apartment near their campuses and have a little bit more freedom. I would Aww. love that. Yeah. Uh, um, also I had a follow up email <laughs> shortly after that. 
I forgot to mention I was all for the show to have a proper ending. Uh, three years earlier, Babylon Five had wrapped its year its planned five year arc. Uh, Babylon Five was the first show to seriously try serialized storytelling. I don't think that's accurate. It definitely did uh, very solid serialized storytelling. I don't think it was the first show to try it, but uh, it was it was very well done. Um, everything except iconic comic book superheroes and soap operas need an end, uh, and really so do those exceptions. But they seem to get away with it. Um, Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns was successful because it presented an end to Batman's career. Uh, television model before then was let's make shows until we get tired or the audience does. I'm glad the creative team of Daria stuck to their guns and just wrapped up the story with the movie. That also is a very good point. Um, there are a lot of TV shows that just kind of end because <laughs> you run the damn thing into the ground. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they did not do that with Daria. Um, and they got it in just under the wire too, because the animation studio shut down like very quickly after Daria ended. Um, so yeah, that, that's that was Juan. Thank you so much for writing Thank in you. Juan. Yeah, you are, you're our final uh, audience email. You get the prize. You get the prize. The prize <laughs> is us reading your email. <laughs> so Rob, I didn't ask you Uh-oh. when so. Since you have embarked on this project, what mm-hmm. is uh, what what are you uh, what have you gotten out of it? <laughs> so what are what has surprised you the most? What did you most enjoy? So okay, I, I mean, I, I'll I'll reiterate, Quinn, uh, absolutely shocked by how wrong I was about her character for <laughs> so long. She's fantastic, and I'm an idiot. Um, you also the got Quinn, some awesome, you know, fashion education. I, I know so much more about fashion now than I did before. I know so much more in general now than I did when we started this thing. That's fair. And, and I'll, I'll I'll get into it in a little bit when we get into the outro. But like, there is just there are so many things. Uh, look, I, I I've said it time and time again. I'm a middle class white dude who who you know I have I. I have tried to just have an open mind throughout most of my life, but there's just a lot of aspects of things that I just don't know or haven't had a chance to run into or wasn't aware of. And um, Like Dr. Spock. Like Dr. Spock. <laughs> uh, but doing this podcast has has really helped in that regard. Like it, there is just – I've had so much more exposure to so many more different aspects of, of – of humanity, of life, of storytelling, of, of just so many different things um, because of doing this podcast. Uh, and that's been really cool. And, you know, I think the the very first rationale I gave for starting this podcast was that you and I weren't hanging out enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. Uh, that's true. And, and now we have hung out a lot. Yeah. So let's <laughs> so keep mission, doing that. <laughs> yeah. No, mission accomplished. I'm good. Uh, <laughs> um. But you know, it's it has been a hell of a ride, and I've gotten so much out of it, both in my appreciation for Daria and my appreciation for the people who appreciate Daria. You know, it's been something else, and I've learned so much about storytelling from you. And and I don't know, it's a hell of a thing. I got to interview Karen Disher. That's crazy. Yeah, that's a wow. thing we did. We did that. That's yeah. true. <laughs> so I, I don't just know. Let's bask in our awesomeness, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh, also boy. I'm also kind of wrapping my head around me teaching you something about storytelling. 
<laughs> oh my no, you're absolutely like look, the reason and and I mean there's there's a little bit I want to say right toward the end, but like the reason that I reached out to you in particular was that I knew that you were going to be a really great analytical mind for this thing that that you had the the literary approach <laughs> to this that I would not be able to muster um and and you know I, look I thank my lucky stars every single time we put this thing out that you said yes when I when I texted you <laughs> 3 years and 2 months ago to be like hey do you want to like do a podcast <laughs> well I'm blushing uh, now <laughs> oh. All right, so why don't we get into our final intro? It's going to be a little bit lengthier or than outro. Intro, but, or outro, Jesus Christ. All Not right, an yeah. intro. It's, it's a late, little folks. too late for that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, two hours and 11 minutes. All right, yep. All right, so I'm going to hit the interstitial music one last time, and we'll go from there. Do you think it's going to double up? you think it's going to do it? It didn't. Wow. That's weird. That's a series wrap on the interstitial music. Uh, uh, And speaking of wraps, that about wraps up Morgan Dorks. (laughs) We're not entirely sure when you'll hear from us next. Uh, It could be a month. It could be six months. We really don't know. Like Right now, the plan is to just take a sizable break (laughs) uh, and maybe spring back into action when Jody premieres. so probably with better time management skills next time. Probably with better time <laughs> management skills next time. Um, I will say, look, it's not a goodbye so much as a see you later. Yeah. You know, um, regarding our Patreon, uh, it has been officially paused uh, and it will at the end of this month be unlaunched. Uh, I'll because be, that's a word. That's the, that's that's their terminology. That's, they said unlaunch your Patreon. So I'm like, okay, whatever. Um so what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be uploading all of the unedited materials and blooper reel stuff to a password protected folder on Google Drive and then distributing that password to our patrons so they can access those materials after the Patreon is inaccessible. So if you're a patron, keep your eyes peeled for that. You'll still be able to get to those materials. Um, and if you're a patron and for some reason you don't end up getting the password before the thing is unlaunched, I have no idea if you'll still be able to access posts and stuff. If you can't, just email me or something. Like We'll figure it out. It's, it's, you know, it's not life or death. We'll be fine. Um, speaking of fans of the show, uh, enormous, profound, unfathomably huge, endless thanks to, among many, many others, uh, Jennifer, Six Ad Cynic, Juan, Jessica, Long Branch Mike, Steven, Izzy, Stephanie, Allie, Steely Dan Rather, Lexi, Casey, Arthur, Jonathan Murphy, Matthew, uh, Dominic, Jay Davidson, Brian Strelekis, who has been listening from the very first episode, is just the dude of dudes. Uh, He's always sharing the stuff we post to Facebook. He's been awesome. Uh, Modar Brahum, friend of mine from high school, who is like conversant in the podcast. It's crazy. Um, Dougie Style, who uh, was kind enough to interview, interview me for like two hours. We just sat in and, and shot the shit for two hours about pop music, about, uh, pop culture, about just life. And in general, it was a wonderful conversation. I can't thank you enough, Dougie style for, for being, uh, just so incredible at, at what you do. Uh, and, um, and for, and for you know, sharing some time with me, uh, Lulu Van Hoagland, again, pins, stickers, so many of them. So cool. Uh, 
art, such good art, art. <laughs> and had so many really interesting takes over over the past you know over the past year or two. Yeah. Uh, just you know dropping dropping in on Twitter to just straight drop some knowledge <laughs> and roll away. Her um, uh, mushroom head, the I think she calls it the mush head <laughs> pin, <laughs> is currently on my hat. I love it. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> uh, Thomas Godfrey, I believe, dropping in from from Britain. Uh, Aretha Fraser. Friend of the podcast, Cass, who I remember was super happy that we called her friend of the podcast. So, <laughs> friend of the podcast, Cass, uh, Natalie, so many others. Uh, so, 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 so many others. I can't even begin to name all the folks, the, the significant others who have put up with us yes. uh, you know, being sequestered away for hours at a time uh, to record this big dumb thing. Uh, <laughs> Mrs., is there anyone you would like to add to that list? I know it's it's already pretty- Pretty extensive. Uh, you. <laughs> oh, Jesus! Thank you, because no, seriously, it wouldn't it wouldn't have gone on for this entire time without you. <laughs> I don't think that's true. I, well, I, I don't know. You uh, you really carried us. <laughs> <laughs> um, but seriously, you've been awesome. I mean, to give credit where credit is due. Rob has written a majority of the show notes because, you know, motherhood. <laughs> and and because he's awesome, he has, uh, you know, figured out all the, uh, the technology and editing and social media. I mean, I'm basically absent from social media most of the time. So when you're talking to us, you're really talking to Rob. Um, and I'm just, I'm just so thankful for you being as awesome as you are. And, you know, oh. yes, well, you're I'm my friend. <laughs> <laughs> now it's been like, I've said it over and over again. It's been a labor of love, this whole thing. Um, you know, even if, I've said it before, even if we didn't have a Patreon, uh, we would still be, you know, doing this. I'd be doing oh, this yeah. at a loss <laughs> uh, <laughs> without question. Uh, and actually I did it at a loss for a while. Um, it's, it's just been fantastic. Um, I cannot, I cannot express the, the level of appreciation I have for, for all the people who, uh, who have reached out, who have listened, who have followed along, um, it really is. It really is something else. One of the lovely surprises that I got, uh, you know, when when we started doing this, and I had some idea of it because you know I had I messed around on like Daria sites and and you know in the Daria fan fiction circles and all that crap uh, over the years. Like one of the things I never really had a, a full appreciation for was just how incredibly diverse the fan base for this show is like the, the Daria fan base is so remarkably diverse. Uh, and, and that carried over into the podcast. Like our fan base is so full of, of such a, a wide spectrum of folks. And it's just incredible hearing from all of them, from all their different walks of life and, and, and learning uh, from them and learning from them. God, yes. you people have opened my eyes so, so many times to so many different things. Uh, and sometimes it's been humbling and sometimes it's been uh, just incredible. And and uh, I cannot express enough appreciation for that. It has been just an unbelievable opportunity. And, uh, you know, you, you welcome us into your earbuds for a couple hours uh, every every couple weeks, sometimes every month. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
and and that's you know that's time that you spend with us and and not necessarily time that you're spending on other things and and um you know i i really can't express the the complexity of of my thanks for uh for there that. is not a more millennial thank you than yeah the thank you you just gave that's a very yeah it's really something else um well you know hey that's been <laughs> There it is. It's been the defining course of this thing. It's, just, it's a millennial ass podcast. Um, also, we're not like dying or anything, so please feel free to continue to reach out to us on Twitter at Morgan for yourself. I don't know. Yeah, you're, you're checking. You're checking out. You're, <laughs> <laughs> uh, find us on Twitter at Morgan Dorks. Email us at morgandorks at gmail or check out our website anchor.fm slash morgandorks. All the archives are up on there. Um, we're also on Facebook, fb.me slash morgandorks.podcast, or just search for Morgan Dorks. Uh, special thanks, as always, to Outpost Daria Reborn. Thank God you lasted through the entirety of this show. <laughs> I did have like nightmares <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> what would oh, happen? Me too, 100%. I was like, Jesus Christ, that's the end of it all. <laughs> that comes down. Uh, link is in the show notes. Check it out. Uh, I say at the end of every single show, uh, thank you, Nissa. And, and I say thank you. <laughs> I well, you got your thank you in already. You, you already did your your big make Rob blush thank you. But I cannot again. I cannot express how uh, happy and appreciative and thankful I have been for the past three years and change that when I texted you out of nowhere, some random July night, like, Hey, Nissa, you want to do a podcast about Daria? Uh, that you said yes. And that you were on board and that you were an absolute trooper through <laughs> some of the rough patches, especially in the beginning. Um, I cannot stress this enough without a Nissa Lee, there is no Morgan dorks. There oh. is no, I, I 100% mean that. There is nobody else that I would do this podcast with. I don't think there's anybody else who could do this podcast the way you did this podcast. And, um, you know, I, it, if we come back and if there's if there is more Morgan Dorks down the line when Jody premieres, it is Robin Nissa or it is nothing. You know, <laughs> and and, uh, and that's just the way it is. And and um, I really yeah. Again, when we started this thing, you had a six-month-old. You, uh, you're a new mother. You're still, in the in the scheme of things, a new mother. And he's he's three and a half. He's more than three and a half he's three now. And a half. He's a grown-ass man. He's paying taxes now. Yes. And and he's telling me what to do all the time. <laughs> the sheer amount of fatigue <laughs> that you have fought through uh, to make this thing, and to and to not only like to not just be present, but to like really contribute a lot of awesome stuff to it and and you know continually open my eyes to new ways of looking at stories and and new ways of thinking about characters um you know i i, I cannot thank you enough for all that uh, you I absolutely have adored you have i have adored having you on this podcast <laughs> it has meant the world to me and i really appreciate it well rob you're not so bad um, yourself <laughs> yeah, thanks <laughs> I try. I try not to suck. Uh, and sucks to suck. Sucks to suck. Uh, and as if I, I needed to say it again, but I feel like I do need to say it again. Thank you, listeners. Um, 
you guys have been incredible. Uh, the the thing that I've said over and over again is that I have never had a bad fan interaction uh, with with this thing, and I don't know many podcasts that run this long that can say that. Um, it really is. It really has been something else. It's been an absolute honor. Thank you so much for welcoming welcoming us into your lives, um, and you know, hopefully, we will talk to you again sometime in the relative near future. Uh, and so with that in mind, I'm going to hit that outro music and we've got a few seconds here, but, uh, what it comes down to is we'll see you when we see you here on Morgan Dorks. It was going to play twice. Oh, yeah, it was. It was getting ready to play twice. That's fantastic.